Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. We have a number of things going on around here. We had a great service last night. We just had great outreach. And we got more things going on, coming up. And so I'll just invite you guys to keep praying. We have a number of people that are sick right now, um, looking for God to just do some healing in their bodies and wanting to get back on track in their lives. And it's um, just... It's disheartening, but we know God's in control. Dean and Kim, we've got to keep them lifted up and pray for their girls that have this bacterial infection. It's infected their ability to think clearly and just operate on a day-to-day basis. Have Bartonella and Lyme's disease. Kind of a mixture of stuff. So we want to be lifting them up in prayer. And we want to thank God for our friend Edgar, who's uh, he's now gaining some ground on his legal battles. And uh was at church last night. It was really great to see him. So there's also some very good and positive things happening. So today for this day in history, March 27th, Britannica, they do a lot of deep history stuff I like. Cleopatra reinstated as Queen of Egypt, the legendary Cleopatra, aided by her Roman lover Julius Caesar, is reinstated as co-ruler of Egypt on this day in 47 BC following the civil war with her brother Ptolemy the eighth so reinstated with the help a little Roman help there um Mar- Mariah cares birthday forever cares 1970 she was born and North uh, Macedonia becomes the 30th country to join NATO and Milton Burrow died on this day at age 90 in 2002. Those of us can remember, pretty amazing man, pretty pretty funny. Old days, old school comedy, which I appreciated. Construction began on the transatlantic pipeline on this day in, it doesn't say, what year? It was completed in 1977. That cost $8 billion and safely brings oil and natural gas into the main country for the lower 48, much safer than the trains after we've seen those train wrecks, what's been going on there. Also, this was a really, really, really major disaster. South Central Alaska was struck by a 9.2 megatude earthquake. That was the strongest quake ever registered in the United States on this day. 1964, so strongest quake, 9.2. I've been in a 7.2. I think the strongest we were in here. Man, that rocks your your life. It's very disturbing to be in something that strong. Typhoid Mary, 1915. American domestic Mary Mullen better known as Typhoid Mary, was placed under a quarantine in North Brother Island, New York City. That lasted until her death in 1938. A typhoid carrier, she was allegedly responsible for multiple outbreaks of typhoid fever. Apparently, from memory, she worked in a soup kitchen feeding people and was not very good at washing her hands. 
And if I also remember, it seems like she was found out and told not never to cook again. Then she went back to cooking again. And I think there may have been more outbreaks. I'm not sure after that. But anyway, she finally placed in a permanent quarantine. Hmm. And uh, we have uh, typhoid down here. It's bizarre. It's, uh, but it, it is becoming, uh, it seems it's becoming less of a thing now. Hopefully that's true. Father, thank you for this morning and guide us and direct us as we look into your word in some very interesting passages, as always, just to help us gain the understanding and be able to apply these things to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. First Samuel 13. Saul was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 42 years over Israel. Now, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, of which 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel, while 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah of Benjamin. And he sent away the rest of the people, each to his tent. Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. All Israel heard the news that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become odious to the Philistines. The people were then summoned to Saul at Gilgal. Now the Philistines assembled to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people like the sand which is on the seashore in, the, in abundance. And they came up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were hard-pressed, then the people hid themselves in caves and thickets and in cliffs and cellars and in pits. Also, some of the Hebrews crossed the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Now he waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring to me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. But Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the appointed time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. Therefore I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. And I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, You have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Saul arose and went up from Gilgal to, to Gibeah of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about 600 men. Now Saul and his son Jonathan and the people who were present with him were staying at Gibeah of Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. And the raiders came from the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned towards Ophrah to the land of Shaul. Another company turned towards Beth Haran, 
and another company turned towards the border, which overlooks the valley of Zeboim, towards the wilderness. Now no blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to sharpen his plowshare, his madox, his axe, and his hoe. The charge was two-thirds of a shekel for a plowshare, the monarchs, the forks, and the axes to fix the hose. So it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and his son Jonathan. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Chapter 14. Now the day came that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. And Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the priest of the Lord of at Shiloh, was wearing an ephod, and the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over to the Philistines garrison, there was a sharp crag on the other side, and the name of the one was Boaz, and the name of the other was Sene. The one crag rose on the north opposite Michmash and the other on the south opposite Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to say by many or by few. His armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself, and here I am with you according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come down to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and this shall be a sign to us. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, Behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Now, then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor bearer behind him, and they fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer put some to death after him. The first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about half of a furrow of an acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp in the field among all the people, even the garrison and the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. Now Saul's watchmen in Gibeah of Benjamin looked and behold, the multitude melted away and they went here and there. Saul said to the people, who were with him, number now and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Then Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the sons of Israel. 
while Saul talked to the priest, the commotion in the camp of the Philistines continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. And there was a very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines previously, who went up with them around in the camp, also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines had fled, even they also pursued them closely in the battle. So the Lord delivered Israel that day, and the battle spread beyond Beth-Avon. Verse 24, Now the men of Israel were hard-pressed on that day, and Saul had put the people under an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food before evening, and until I have avenged myself of my enemies. Now none of the people tasted food. All the people of the land entered the forest, and there was honey on the ground. When the people entered the forest, behold, there was a flow of honey, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard when his father put the people under the oath. Therefore he put out his hand and the staff which was in his hand and dipped in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly put the people under an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food today. And, and the people were weary. And Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See now how my eyes have brightened, because I tasted a little of, the, of this honey. How much more, if only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. For now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. They struck among the Philistines that day from Michmash to Agilon, and the people were very weary. And the people rushed greedily upon the spoil, took the sheep, the oxen, the calves, slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they said to Saul, saying, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have acted treacherously. Roll a great stone to me today. Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Each one of you bring me his ox and his sheep and slaughter it here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So all the people that night brought each one his ox with him and slaughtered it there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord, and it was the first altar that he had built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and take spoil among them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them and they said do whatever seems good to you so the priest said let us draw near to God here verse 37 Saul inquired of God shall I go down after the Philistines will you give them into the hand of Israel but he did not answer him on that day Saul said draw near here all you chiefs of the people and investigate and see how this sin has happened today. For as the Lord lives, who delivers Israel, though it is in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not one of all the people answered him. Verse 40, then he said to all Israel, you shall be on one side and I and Jonathan shall be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Verse 41, therefore Saul said to the Lord, the God of Israel, give a perfect lot. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Saul said, cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son, and Jonathan was taken. 
Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. So Jonathan told him and said, I indeed tasted a little honey with the end of my staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I must die. Saul said, may God do this to me and more so, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, must Jonathan die? Who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Far from it, as the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Verse 47, now when Saul had taken the kingdom over Israel, he fought all his enemies on every side against Moab, the sons of Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, the Philistines, and wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment. He acted valiantly and defeated the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan and Ishvi and Milkai, Shuna, and the names of their two daughters were these, the names of the firstborn, Merab, and the name of the, of the younger, Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Abinoam, the daughter of Ahamaaz. And the name of the captain of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now, the war against the Philistines was severe all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any mighty man or valiant warrior, he attached him to his staff. So Saul getting victory and also getting defeated by God, having victory over the enemies, but being completely defeated and dethroned by God. Saul makes this blunder of sacrificing, telling Samuel was forced. The Philistines were all around us, and I'm forced to do this offering before God. That's kind of like Aaron saying, you know, I just, the people made me do this. I threw the gold in, and this calf jumped out, making excuses for something that he knew was wrong. He knew it was wrong for him to do this, but he panicked and tried to do things in his own way, his own flesh. This was his downfall. While he's doing things by the flesh, Jonathan, his son, is doing things by faith and by the Spirit. Jonathan, is he's the untold hero. He's the unsung hero in much of the Old Testament stories. He's a humble man, a very humble man, and he has this enormous faith. While Israel, people are running and hiding in the rocks and the cliffs, they and, and just freaked out because the there's a sea of Philistines. It seems like they're just crossing the entire horizon and, and causing men to run and hide for their lives. Jonathan goes, well, yeah, but you know, God can win by many or few. Two against, yeah, 300,000, half a million, no problem for God. And so he goes up and takes them on. And notice he leads his armor bearer up the cliff. He doesn't let the armor bearer go up and take the brunt of the attack. He got he has to go up. And if you're climbing up with your hands and your feet, those of us have done rock climbing and stuff, you know how hard it is when you come over the pinnacle to to get yourself ready to fight. <laughs> Flashback to Prince's Bride. You've got to get up and, you know, get your, your act together, get your sword out. And this is what he had to do with these Philistines. I'm, I'm guessing they're going, okay. <laughs> We'll let you get up, get your armor bear up here. This is going to be a slaughter. And they take them on. 
And we see this an amazing victory by God because of this man's faith. And we see this contrast between Jonathan and Saul. And Jonathan, of course, didn't know about the oath, didn't know anything about that, so he takes a little bit of honey knowing he his body needs it. And now his father, oddly enough, is willing to let his son die. Oh, you broke my oath with God. You don't see him falling down, lamenting and crying, and oh Lord, what have I done? He just, no, you gotta die. Now, had it been David, David probably would have said, Lord, or Moses, they would have said, Lord, let your sentence and judgment be upon me. Spare my child. Because they had the heart of the Messiah. They, had, they, they modeled what a true servant of God and one who was a leader, one who was modeling the coming of the Messiah was like. Not Saul, though. Saul was like, well, I made this dumb vow and you got to die for it. Oh, yeah, you had this enormous victory. God, you saved thousands of lives of Israel. You saved our nation. But you broke my little rule and so you're going to die. So this is, we see Saul failing on so many levels right after he had started doing good. Yet right after this, it says, oh, and, but Saul acted valiantly and had many victories after this. That's a bit of an enigma. It's it, a little bit hard to understand, but my guess is that it's because he just found out how badly he had sinned against God and that God was going to tear the kingdom away from him. And he's thinking, I, I got to do whatever I can to impress God. I got to try and save my job, my office, and I've got to act valiantly and I've got to win battles. I'll show God. I mean, I don't know. It's supposition, but he did something right. Or God was just purely acting on behalf of Israel and protecting Israel and using him in the meantime. We don't know, but it's an interesting study. Okay, Luke chapter 19, we're going to pick up in verse 28. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the villages ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and they put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with the sound of a voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace be in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on all sides. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. 
Verse 45, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, it is written, and my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him, and they could not find anything that they might do, for all the people were hanging on every word he said. I can imagine, wouldn't we all? So this is the famous triumphal entry. Why did he tell the Pharisees that if the people kept silent, the rocks would cry out? It all relates back to Daniel and other Old Testament prophecies. God had established really from the foundation of the world and the first sin of Adam that there would be a day when the Messiah King would ride in to Jerusalem and offer himself as their king. And this was the day. We have in Daniel, the Daniel 70-week prophecy, which we've gone over in Revelation. So this is just a brief review. So if you've never heard this, this is, you've got to look into Daniel chapter 9. But from the declaration and the decree of Artaxerxes Langemanes in 445 BC to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah was going to be 173,880 days on a Jewish calendar adjusted for leap years. And Sir Robert Anderson did all the math, worked it out from the prophecy of Daniel 9, around verse 27-ish, and he came up with April 6th, 32 AD. He said that is the day that Jesus allowed himself to ride in and be hailed as their king. And that's why he told the Pharisees, hey, the people don't shout out the rocks well. This was the day. And that's also why he wept and also why he said, oh, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you'd only known this thy day. They were r responsible to know the day. The Pharisees should have been the ones leading in the chorus of, you know, Hosanna, our king has come. But they were misinterpreting and ignoring Daniel, ignoring the other prophecies. So they rejected. They did not know that day, but they were supposed to. And so they had corrupted the worship of God. They had turned away and made it a system of worship. But basically, the Pharisees, they wanted the Messiah, but kind of not, because they were making a lot of money, they had a lot of power, a lot of control. So Jesus goes in and cleans out the temple and reminds them what the worship of God was supposed to be about and that they could not see the forest for the trees. In, in other words, Jesus was there, the one that they were ultimately to worship, but they were not. They were making money out of the whole system. So there is Luke 19 there, very important in the, the prophecy of the coming complete devastation of Jerusalem and the future prophecies of what was going to happen to, to Israel because of the rejection of the Messiah. And we had see all this snowballing and working itself into the book of Revelation. So by the end of the tribulation, yeah, there's going to be a complete leveling of Jerusalem. And it's going to be a, an, a, a horrible situation. But yet God will come and rescue them at the last moment. So, And some people tie this to Ezekiel 38, 39, too, with the attack. It's going to be a lot of devastation there, too. So um, it's going to be 
we we see God is always right. So these things are yet future. That's why we got to continue to pray for Jerusalem. They've been under enormous attack. Things going on with all over the place there. As Christianity is under attack, Sudan, we're going to be praying for them. So let's do that. Charles Spurgeon, he who has begun will carry on the work which is being wrought within my soul. The Lord is concerned about everything that concerns me. All that is now good, but not perfect, the Lord will watch over, preserve, and carry out to completion. This is a great comfort. I could not perfect the work of grace myself. Oh, that I am quite sure. (laughs) For I fail every day and have only held on so long as I have because the Lord has helped me. If the Lord were to leave me, all my past experience would go for nothing and I should perish from the way. But the Lord will continue to bless me. He will perfect my faith, my love, my character, my life work. He will do this because he has begun a work in me. He gave me the concern I feel, and in a measure, he has fulfilled my gracious aspirations. He never leaves a work unfinished. This would not be for his glory, nor would it be like him. He knows how to accomplish his gracious design. And though my own evil nature and the world and the devil all conspire to hinder him, I do not doubt his promise. He will perfect that which concerneth me. And I will praise him forever. Lord, let thy gracious work make some advance this day. Father, we thank you for your love that you have for us and the way that you show us you can do the impossible through us as we look to you and we look to the things that you want to do through us we realize like Spurgeon we're miserable at at, at trying to work out things in our lives that are that are anything that are of value in your in the heavenly realm we need your spirit we need you in everything that we do And we thank you for the work of grace in each of our lives and the way you're continuing to draw us closer to yourself. We bless you for that, the strengthening we feel, the closeness we feel. Thank you for the new believers that are coming into that realization and the things you're doing in their lives. So amazing. So wonderful to see new people that have a hunger for you and just a desire to serve you. We pray for this marriage conference that's going to be going on starting to... uh, tomorrow, Friday, and um, and bless that, God. Bless the people that are going there. May it just be a wonderful time to strengthen couples in their their uh, marriages as they realize that you're the center of everything, that there are three-strand cords. So bless all that's going to happen there. Continue to bless us, God, especially this weekend as we come into this uh interesting weekend of the day of the child here in mexico pray that you bless our service as we're going to let all of our children uh be serving and be ministering to us on this very wonderful sunday so pray for stephen who will be studying the word to share and all the kids that will be singing may you just be glorified god we know that you are glorified in the praise of kids and you said not to let the 
hinder the little kids coming from you to come bef- to you. So we ask your special, special blessing on all the kids that are going to be participating this Sunday. And we ask your blessings as well on the mission and the teaching that Renee does with, um, with Claudia and, uh, and also with Espady and, and Juan Carlos and everything that goes on there. Again, special blessing for Dean and Kim and the girls. Thank you that Ethan's doing so good, but we just really pray for the girls for their healing and help there. And other people that are dealing with some pretty serious issues and having to go through cancer treatments, God, um, you know who they are. So many people that have visited the church and are still giving us little glimpses, little inputs about what's going on in their life. Thank you for those contacts. Thank you for the new people that just came to church. May you continue to, to raise up God, leaders and servers in our church. And may you continue to bless the ministry outreach of Manna for Breakfast. We thank you that the numbers are growing and we are we are thanking you that people are hearing your word. And we are so blessed to see that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you guys. Do please subscribe and especially, well, what other video, but also the, the audio podcast is doing well, actually. So I mentioned we are now also on Amazon music oddly enough under podcasts and you can find it there i believe so we have a number of formats we're on spotify very strong most people are on spotify and we have people also on, on apple podcasts as well and stitcher well my favorite is stitcher most people don't know about it but i love the stitcher format so we will see you guys tomorrow at the same time keep looking up know the lord loves you and know that he is not through with you he's got a lot lot planned so keep the faith We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.